This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple dry. Everybody, thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here on this lovely Friday morning. I am super, super excited for this particular guest that I have here with me, joining me on the Contact Talk Radio Network. My guest today is Fitz Vanderpool, and what I always do before I turn it over to Unscripted Dialogue is I just plug a little bit about my guest, uh, just because of the fact that the reach base for this particular program is 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and of course the potential for millions of the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. So I'm just going to read a little bit about Fitz, and then we're going to turn it over to Unscripted Dialogue. So Fitz Vanderpool is the middle child of five boys who are all boxers. Fitz was not emboldened with high hopes of becoming a world champion boxer. In fact, he was challenged with a mountain of obstacles during his youth. However, this determined young man began to witness results birthed from true dedication and a growing hunger to become the champion of the world. Behind this warrior are thousands upon thousands of hours of relentless training and the continual exhaustion of blood, sweat, and tears. During his rise to glory, Fitz blazed a proverbial trail, earning the respect of both his adoring fans and fearful contenders. Fitz comments, it is in the arena where heroes are created and then tried in the fire. Titles, which Fitz holds, are, long list, be prepared, Canadian Professional Boxing Federation Champion 1996, World Boxing Federation Intercontinental Champion 1998, World Boxing Council Welterweight Fear Box, Thacker Box, sorry, Champion 1998, World Boxing Federation Super Welterweight World Champion 1999, World Boxing Council Super Welterweight Thacker Box Champion 2002, National Boxing Authority Middleweight Champion 2013, Oldest Canadian Boxing Champion in History, 2013. Three-Division Professional Boxing Champion, 1997, 2003, as well as 2013. Awards and recognition. Recognized as the inaugural Kitchener-Waterloo Athlete of the Year, 1998. Received the Gerald H. Beckner Memorial Award for his outstanding contribution toward fire safety in 2003. Recognized as one of 10 students inducted into Eastwood Collegiate Institute 50th Anniversary Wall of Recognition 2006. Recognized as a CKCO local hero for his outstanding work with the youth in the community 2007. Inducted into the Boxing Ontario uh, as a boxing legend 2011. 
Uh, professional accomplishments, founded the Whip Boxing Academy in Waterloo, Ontario, instructing fitness through boxing and inspiring people through his motivational presentations, 2013. Co-wrote The Whip with Sandra Cole. This inspirational book shows how anyone can chase their dream and succeed, even when the odds are stacked against you, 2009. Co-produced with Hope It's Possible movie with Richard Wang to document his return to the boxing ring after a 7.5-year hiatus fighting for the National Boxing Authority Canadian Middleweight Championship. Fitz defeated an opponent 17 years his junior, and the victory made him the oldest Canadian champion in history and a three-division boxing champion at 45 years of age, 2013. Founded with Hope It's Possible, WIP, Youth in Transition, a not-for-profit organization raising awareness and funds to keep youth off the streets, utilizing boxing to channel their energy, Learn the importance of healthy choices, develop leadership skills, and learn self-discipline, 2014. Hosted the first annual Whippet Ride for Youth to raise funds and awareness for this summer camp with a world champ in an effort to empower youth in transition, 2015. Ambassador for International Disorder Organization, selected as the inaugural International Fire Safety Ambassador, speaking to audiences on the importance of fire safety, including the production of public service announcements. Served as an ambassador for the Alcohol and Drug Recovery Association, speaking to audience, audiences on the importance of not using alcohol and drugs in sport. Supporter of government programs and charitable organizations, in reach of federally funded Youth Street Gang Prevention Program, Family and Children's Services, a regionally funded program for youth at risk. At Brothers, Big Sisters of Canada, The Children's Wish of Canada, Cystic Fibrosis Canada, Heart and Stroke Foundation of Canada, Parkinson Canada, The Kidney Foundation of Canada, Canadian Cancer Society. With hope, it's possible. Fitz the Whip Vanderpool. Oh, my God. Welcome, Fitz. Hello. Uh, hello. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, thank wow. you for that lovely intro. Well, that's quite the bio, and I just want to say how lovely this is, and uh, I, I couldn't be more grateful for your time. I mean, just having read that, I don't know where you found the time for me, but thank you. <laughs> no, no, thank you. You know what? It's about making time, right? Absolutely, and, it um, is, you know. and I, I appreciate that. So what we're going to do, what we're going to do, uh, Fitz, as I said in my intro here, is I always turn this over to unscripted dialogue. I believe it, it, uh, it creates a more authentic conversation. And sometimes you never know where the conversation is going to go and it sheds back layers and peels back the onion to other things that you might not necessarily think are going to be discussed or thought about. So, you know, I thought it was very interesting in the bio where it stated that you were not originally, you did not have any hopes of necessarily aspiring to become a boxer. So was it other people within your family, your siblings, that kind of transformed that for you? Or do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, for myself, um, what, what a lot of it came from was just I had I knew that I had to work hard in order in order to get uh, the, the recognition or get the, the praise, I guess. Because, you know, as, as a young kid, um, you know, oftentimes you get praise from your parents when you do stuff, when you do good things, right? You get praise from your parents. And so myself being the middle child, I have two brothers older, two brothers that are younger. Um, I, I, being the middle child, it was hard to get that, that, uh, praise or recognition. So I always had to push myself harder in order to, to do something, to be successful in order to get that extra praise that I look for. And, you know, be it lifting weights or be it running. Uh, because uh, my father had all my, me and my brothers and myself, we were all used to lift weights. 
and my two older brothers would would lift weights with myself with my dad and he would put the two older brothers under under the weights to push it and they couldn't push it and then so I would get under it and I would push it because I would get some praise I knew I would get praise you know hey great job you did it right I'm like okay I got to do this right because I want to get some praise mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so that all helped with the upbringing and and building that you know I had to I had to work hard in order to be successful uh, which is where I I you know started with everything. Right, so that was that was kind of uh, some of the roots with it all. Um, was okay. wanting to be successful because. And know. so, and so, based upon that, at what point in your journey, in your juncture, did you come to learn that you know this isn't about receiving external praise? It's not about doing things to nurture your own soul for the fact that you wish to gain or garner positive reinforcement. At what point did you start to see yourself as? deservable and worthy enough that it was just enough to please Fitz? I think um, for me, um, in, in my, when I, I, had re, I had quit from bo- amateur boxing um, in, in 84, then I came back in 1989. When I came back in 89, I wanted to, I'd watched my friends. So when I quit in 84, I watched my friends at the 80 Olympics, 1980, and then uh, I said, okay, I wanted to go, come back and go to the 92 Olympics. So I came back in 89, I worked hard trying to get on the team. I fought, I fought the same guy in 89, 90, 91, 92, and I lost to him every time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some would say, well, you know, why would you continue, you know, continue on? I mean, you lost this guy four years in a row, uh, actually six different fights. Now, you know, in baseball, three strikes and you're out. So, right. you know, I, I fought this guy, I fought this guy and lost him four years in a row, but that was, that was only building my character because I knew that some of those fights, I had won the fights, but because the judges had gave me a loss, did not mean that I lost. It did not mean that I worked, you know, gave it my best and I had accomplished what I, what I wanted to. So, um, those losses helped build my character, showing me that, you know, it's not winning that makes you who you are. It's giving your best and performing, performing to, to your full potential. That's what you want to do. So, uh, after that, after that, myself, what happened was um, I had wanted to go to the 92 Olympics, and I came short on the bid for that. But So the champion that I fought uh, for the 92 Olympics, what happened was I beat him. I beat him the seventh time for the Olympic trials. And initially, they, they the way the rules worked was that if you won the Olympic trials, you would go to represent Canada at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. The only problem... The only problem with that was that I had lost to him for the six times previously, and he was already groomed. Like he had, was, he was traveling the country for the last four years, uh, groomed as that guy, the golden boy for the for the national team. And because I had beat him at the trials, they said they changed the rules and said that I had to beat him a second time. Mm-hmm. So that being said, I went I went back into the fight, the second fight, and um, um, they I had lost the second fight, so they had him groomed already. So he ended up going to the Olympics. And he came back from the 92 Olympics with a silver medal for Canada, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Canada said to me, they said to me in interviews, they said, you know, how do I feel about uh, him coming back with a silver medal? And I said, well, if Canada is happy with a silver medal, then I'm happy for Canada. Wonderful. Okay. Wonderful. Because, you know, yeah. yeah. Love the yeah, and that, that. Says it all. That, that says it all right there. And so... so, so Go ahead, Fitz. Yeah, so so for myself, uh, from there I knew that what I had to work towards was, um, you know, um, I said, okay, my next step from there was to either to turn pro. So it was either I I 
stay as an amateur and uh, I would have a hard time turning pro because I would be too old, or I decided to turn pro and take a chance and become in hopes of becoming world champion. So in 1993, I sat, I stayed back one year and I won the nationals for the first time ever. I became Canadian champion and I'm like, okay, you know, I want to go pro. So people were saying to me, okay, listen, you only won the national championship once in your life as an amateur and you want to go pro and you think you're going to become a world champion. I said, yes, I'm going to. <laughs> Love it. And, and the thing is, what drives me is when people tell me I can't do something, I want to say, you know what? I can because I believe in myself. I'm willing to work hard. And, you know, I had my trainer, Papa Joe Hajnal Sr., God rest his soul. He was with me. He believed in me because he saw how hard I worked in the gym, how hard I trained. So when I told him I wanted to become a champion, world champion, he looked at me. He watched me in the gym. He said, you know, he said, this kid's going to do it because he's putting the work into it. And he saw something in me that nobody else did. And, and so him and I set out on this journey to become world champion together. And Beautiful. even though, like, nobody else believed, just him and I believed. So we walked together. It's like, I don't know if, it, I don't know if it's uh, footprints in the sand. Or there's, there's, you know, when you see, you see um, there's one, foot, one set of footprints going through the sand. Mm-hmm. And you go, you think, okay, how is this, right? There's one, but, but to me what it was was he was carrying me. So it's like he was, you know, him and I were going together, but he was carrying me. So that was that one set of footprints in the sand. But the two of us, right? So we were, he was carrying me because he knew where I wanted to go. And that was the two of us going on this journey together. That was the two of us on this journey together. And, you know, we end up shocking, we end up shocking, I guess, you know, really the world. You know, I mean, we should up showing them that, you know, that we, you know, if we believe in ourselves and we want to work hard and make the sacrifices necessary, mm-hmm. that we can be successful and do whatever, do whatever we put our minds to. And that's what we did. And that's why I say, with hope it's possible to whip because, with my hope, I had, you know, like, nobody gave me any hope, but I had hope, and he had hope, and worked, watching, my hard, watching my hard work, knowing that I could be successful. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And that's what we did. We went, we went down that road together. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you then, uh, Fit. I mean, Fitz, that's a very impressive repertoire. I love the journey. I love how you persevered and the concept of believing in yourself kind of overrode everything else. But going back to my original question, so at what point within what you described, are you, do you have a crystallized moment that you know for a fact that it was in that moment? Nobody else's opinion of you, uh, the need to garner outside affirmation, pat on the back, high five. Uh, when did you relinquish that? When did, when was it enough for Fitz to go, okay, this is my journey. These are my decisions. This is something I feel uh, a compulsion to do and I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it because it's important to me. It's not important to me because I need to be accepted or, uh, you know, held on people's shoulders and, you know, the, the flag waving and going, wow, Fitz, good job, Fitz. When, when did you get right. to a point where it didn't matter what other people thought about you? You know, I, I think, you know, I think honestly, when, now you put it that way, when I think about it, for me, when it, when it came to that point was back in, back in, uh, 2013, when I came back to fight for the, for the National Boxing Authority Championship. Uh, so I came back from, I, cause I retired in 2005, I came back seven and a half years later to fight for the championship. At that point, people were saying, okay, Fitz, you're too old, uh, you've been off for over seven years, you know, this is a young man's sport. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, I, I, for me, what I wanted to do, I've always said to myself, I wanted to be the, I wanted to be uh, Canadian champion in my 40s. I could do it. And when I came back, 
um, to do that little stint, I didn't realize, um, you know, that I would make history four times over by doing that. And at that point, at that point, what happened was, that, well, one, one, I fought an opponent 17 years younger than myself, uh, came back from over seven and a half year layoff. Um, I became the oldest Canadian champion in history. I became a three division professional champion, you know, which, uh, you know, to me, like I said, all those things are, are things that I, I, in Canada, uh, here, we don't, we don't have anybody who's, who has repeated those things. Now, the, the thing for me when I came to that point was that because I became the oldest Canadian champion in history, someone would say to me, like people ask me and they'll say again, you know, uh, do you want to fight again? Do you want to come out of retirement? And I'll say, well, no, because I'm already the oldest Canadian champion in history, so I have nothing to prove. Mm-hmm. At that point, I, I, at that point, I think it was after I won that, that belt, I said, you know what? I said, no, there's nothing left to prove. So I have nothing to prove to nobody. I said, right. they just, what they don't know is that they don't, they don't know that I'm, I'm, I became a three division champion, which I don't know that if there is another one in Canada alive at this mm-hmm. point. Um, you know, having come back and defeated an opponent 17 years younger than myself, I don't know that there is another, another Canadian that has done that. The same with, with, you know, um, being a, being a, well, being champion at 45 when I won the title, I was, I was the oldest at the time. So I'm the oldest Canadian champion in history there. You know, so there, that's why I said, you know what? I said, no, I have nothing to prove to nobody. I said, it's all in the works that they can Google my name and see who I am and know exactly what's going on. So no, I have nothing to prove that way. And that's why I said, okay, fine. You know? Excellent. I have, I have so many questions coming to me right now. And so I got to pop one out before I lose a couple of others. So, um, this just is, um, just fascinating to me. So the one thing that comes to mind is when you were in your period of retirement, you said seven, seven and a half years, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. So when you were in that period of retirement, what was going on for you in your mindset? What was going on behind the scenes uh, that kind of catapulted you back into a resurgence and, and reinvention process and coming back to the ring? So what was going on for you? Well, at that time, see, I had, I had my own boxing club because I had been running my own boxing team anyways while I was still fighting. Um, okay. So uh, I was training fighters, and, uh, you know, one of the big things I kept seeing, I kept watching fighters, you know, Canadian fighters uh, on, on TV, and I was at some of, the, some of the fight shows, and I was watching some of those guys, and I'm like, you know what, I can beat that guy. I said, you know, I kept going, I can beat that guy. And, uh, but I'm, but I'm not one of these guys who say woulda, coulda, shoulda, cause everybody has those regrets. I woulda, I coulda, I shoulda. You know, I said, you know, I'm a doer. I'm gonna do yeah. or something. So, yeah. so at that point I said, you know, I said, I'm gonna come out of retirement. Now, one of the things with boxing is that boxers, the first thing a boxer loses is his speed. I mean, his power will always be there, but his speed and his reflexes is one of the first things that a boxer loses, a fighter loses. Mm-hmm. So while I was in the gym, I was, you know, I I hit the bag, and every now and then I'd I'd have speed. I go, I go, wow, I'm still fast. I said, yeah, I still got it. And I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. And so I, then I said, you know what? I said, I've still got the speed. I haven't lost what the first thing is supposed to be in my speed. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna give it a go. I'm gonna go and become the oldest Canadian champion at 45. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fight for my title, of course. Not. And Love and it. that's when I, you know, that's when the idea came to me. And I said, okay, I'm gonna go for it. You know, for you. and the, now, now the the thing that I keep in mind on, and people, when I talk to, you know, people around me, they said, they said, you know, you're gonna have to work hard because these young guys, they're gonna be fast and they're gonna be hard hitting hard, so you're gonna have to work hard. And so I knew one of the first things I had to commit to myself was, was I willing to put the work into it? 
was I willing to do the work necessary to make it happen? Mm-hmm. And I said and, to myself, and clearly yes. you did. And clearly you did. And so the yes. other thing I'm, I'm really interested to know too, Fitz, is, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of controversy around certain sports, you know, either it's equated to violence or, you know, people have a lot of misconceptions. And uh, so when I look at athleticism, when I look at people who are passionate to endeavor whatever it is they feel they've got a skill and a hunger for, that's the focal point, I think, when you're looking from an athletic standpoint. But for people who are perhaps not educated on the subject, can you speak to as a huge ambassador for the sport, for somebody who walks or talk, can you explain to people who are perhaps not in the know, what is it about boxing uh, that maybe you can reverse some of the stigma, uh, maybe educate some people while I have you on radio here about what are actually some of the great things that come out of it? What does it do for the rest of your life? What does it do for your personality? What does it do attitudinally, if you could just speak to that? Well, I think like one one of the big things, like I said, is, you know, you, you can learn. It, it teaches you discipline. Um, yeah. You know, um, you, you learn respect. Now, now, part of it, like I said, is that you know, I like I tell a lot of kids when they come in the gym. I said, you know, what you learn in the gym, you keep right here. You know, you have nothing to prove outside. You know, if you want to prove something, coming in the gym, you train in the gym, you work hard, you get your frustrations out on the bag, and that's mm-hmm. where it's done. You have nothing to prove on the street, so that they understand that. You know, that part of their training is that you know they they understand that they're they're trained as as machines, um, you know their hands become lethal once they get to a certain level. But you know they know that okay, I have nothing to prove. I do my prove I prove myself in the gym with my coach uh, on the bag, right? For me, a lot of it, like I said, is I learned a lot of life lessons, life skills. It's like I was talking to some of my students last night, and you know when my students come into the gym. Uh, if they come in late, they end up doing 10 or 15 push-ups, 10 or 20 push-ups. It depends how late they come because I tell them the same thing. I said, if you go to your work, you go to a job, and you're, you're coming late to work, your boss is going to get upset. You're going to end up getting fired. I said, you know, you need to show up to the gym on time the same way you do at work. I said, one of the big things I told the, I told the kids last night, I said, one of the first things that my son learned, I said, is respect. You learn your manners. You learn your thank yous and your please you because your manners will carry you far. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who you are. I said, I said, guys, look at me. It doesn't matter who I am or what kind of a champion I am or what I've accomplished. I have to use my manners because that will carry you far in this world. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that, that's a big thing. You know, um, I have a lot of my kids, uh, a lot of kids, like I said, there are different, different avenues to go down. You know, they have a frustrating day. When they get to the gym, they're happy because they can get the frustration on the bag. They can hit the bag. Then they feel great. They say, oh, wow, this is a great stress relief, you know? All that stress I had before, it's all gone now. Oh, thank you, coach. I'm, I'm glad, you know, I had a great day. I'm glad to see you. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and those are, those are some of the things, like I said, when my kids come to the gym, they're just, they're just happy to be in my presence, being around me. Oh, this is great. Oh, I love it, coach. Oh, you, you're so positive. I, like, I just love the energy that feeds off of you. It feeds into me and I feel great. I'm glad I'm here. And, you know, it's just, it's just little things like that that, that make me know what I'm doing is worthwhile. Beautiful. Beautiful. And so what do you say to a prospective parent whose child is, you know, you know, mom, dad, can you please enroll me in uh, boxing? You know, I really feel that I, this is something that I want to at least try or endeavor to do. So for a parent who perhaps has a little bit of angst, you know, when you think about concussions, when you think about the fact yes. that, you know, there is a difference, obviously, what you're describing, what happens in the ring and the lesson of not taking yes. it out onto the street. But from a parental standpoint, uh, what do you say to those parents? Well, 
for a lot of those parents, the first thing that they need to understand is that when they enroll the child in the boxing in a boxing club, that does not necessarily mean that those kids are going to get get hit. The thing is, the first thing that you do is it's all training. So here's my slogan: you don't ha- you don't have to get hit to get fit. Like okay? it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to get hit to get fit. You can get in the gym. You can do the training. You can hit the bag. You got lot. There's lots of cardio. Boxing is one of the greatest, one of the best exercises for fitness out there. Mm-hmm. There's none like it. And those kids don't necessarily have to get in the ring to get hit. They only do that if they want to. And now usually with with the training, like I, I have a six month a regimen, I put the guys through, and then, then I put them through some personal one on one training sessions to check their skills, to make sure they know how to defend themselves, how to block a punch, how to slip a punch, how to power a punch, before I even move them to the next stage as far as getting into the ring and sparring. Mm-hmm. So so I don't know about other gyms, but my gym, like I said, you know, you don't, it's not It's not necessarily about getting in, in the ring and sparring. It's about the boxing fitness training because that's the greatest aspect of boxing there is. It's the sweet science of the sport. Lovely. Well, let me ask, I've got lots of questions here and I'm, I'm cognizant of time. So, you know, I love your answers. I love the insight that you're providing and I'm very grateful to you for that. Um, <clears throat> so I, I want to peel back the onion a little bit to the degree that you're comfortable with me doing that and whatever you choose to answer or not. Um, so as I say on all my shows, generally the majority of the people that I invite to speak on my show, it doesn't matter what they have succeeded in uh, to the level that they've raised in the uh, rise in the ranks. Uh, you know, there's usually a story of darkness. There's usually something that has arisen in their life that's uh, made them go one of two ways and really knowing very clearly, you know, if I don't get my shit together, I'm either going to tank or I'm going to rise. And so, you know, when I look at all the, the different pots that you have your hands in, you know, when, you know, children's aid and street youth and, uh, all of that, what, to the degree you feel comfortable with, what was going on for you when it wasn't such a great period of time, uh, that you can relate perhaps or be an actual ambassador or role model for these people now that you're on the other end of it? What was happening for you? Well, for me, um, I guess part of my thing is I, I, what, what I, what I look, look at for kids, like I said, I, I do a lot of work with like family and children's services, big brothers, big sisters, those kind of organizations. But those are, those are a lot of organizations where, you know, um, those kids don't necessarily have two parents, uh, mm-hmm. guiding them or they don't, they don't have a big brother or a big sister per se, or they don't have somebody to mentor them. And mm-hmm. that is something that, you know, for myself, I the reason I've gravitated towards those organizations because I nece- I didn't necessarily always have that at all the times in my life um, going through going through stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always like I've got like I said I, I've got you know four of the brothers, two older, two younger, but I've never had I never had their support, uh, the support of all my brothers going through what I did. Um, there was some groundwork where, I, like I said, I had to be that that big mentor myself. I had to be that guy myself to make that breakthrough to to say, okay, here's what I want to accomplish. And you know, part of that was, I mean, I what I what I'll do is I'll watch people who who have like my older oldest brother. He had a regret. He said, I wish I had done this. I wish I had came back every time. I wish I had fought this guy. But mm-hmm. you know, you can do what I could have should have. But you know, that's only, only going to get you so far. You're going to sit there pouting about what you wish you could have done. 
Mm-hmm. If you if you get out there and you do it, if you get out there and do it, you have no regrets when it comes to the end of the day. Very so true. I like to be. So I look and I want to be a mentor to a lot of people out there because you know in this day and age there are a lot of families that don't have uh, both mother and father that are together. So there are mm-hmm. a lot of kids out there who think that they can't be successful because the 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 fairy tale or, or the story you see is usually of. You know, when you see people on the podium, you see these guys who are great uh, hockey players, whatever, that they have uh, both a mother and a father, and they have a family uh, supporting them, and, and there's, that, that's why they're successful. Um, that's, not, that's not my case, and that's why I try to, you know, to reach out to those people who don't have the mother and the father together or don't, who don't have a big brother or a big sister or who don't have people there supporting them or pushing them, uh, letting them know that they can be successful. Lovely. Lovely. Well, for everything that you do on a humanistic level uh, and give back to your community, especially children, I thank you for that on behalf of everybody who would appreciate that and recognize it for the important uh, contribution that you provide. I want to say thank you. That is so pivotal. Um, so... So something you said was very interesting to me, and, you know, this is not unlike what happens in a lot of families, but I think it would be more prevalent in families where you have somebody such as yourself who has aspired uh, to reach and obtain their goals and to live their life of passions. So when you were back in the day, uh, so this hindsight 2020 uh, conversation piece, so back in the day when you didn't necessarily feel that you got the support or the buy-in uh, from family members or other people in your life, uh, you knew it to be true and you persevered regardless. But, you know, how did you reconcile or how did you heal those relationships based on when you hadn't succeeded technically or you hadn't gotten the award or you didn't beat your component or, or your opponent, pardon me, um, you know, and then people, you know, just didn't treat you with the same kind of respect that perhaps they do now that you have all these accolades and awards behind you. You know, people sometimes come back and they try to wean their way back in or, you know, how, how do you concede? How do you embrace? How do you, how have you healed those relationships with people who didn't believe in you and get behind you at the inception of your journey? Well, you know, I, I don't, like, I mean, I just, I just keep, like I said, uh, I keep pushing on because I keep, uh, I'm the kind of guy that I keep setting goals, uh, for what I want to do. So when I, when I accomplish one goal, I, I shoot towards another, another. But, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, like, it's, it's hard to, I mean, it's a trick question you're asking me and I'm doing my best to answer it. But it's hard, you know, I mean, you know, I know my success is at a certain level now, you know, and I, and I am getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, the Ontario Boxing Hall of Fame, uh, May the 7th. And sometimes I, I, I think that that kind of success for me is a blessing and a curse, uh, mm-hmm. at the same time because, you know, um, I don't necessarily get, uh, the, uh, not necessarily the recognition is the word, but I'm, I'm trying to find the right word, but I don't necessarily get what I, you know, what I, what I, I mean, you know, boxing is a tough sport as it is, and, and you know, you put your hard work in there, and you think, okay, you know, the respect, respect is earned, it's not given, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've I've earned my respect, and I've, you know, I mean, not just what I've done in the ring, but more more so what I've done outside the ring, and you know, I I don't look for people to to say, okay, well, you know, this guy's a six time champion, he's a world champion, he's uh, he's this, he's got his three things, you know, what what I want what I want my respect for is what I do for the kids. 
Beautiful. So I mentor these kids every day in, in the community, not just in the gym, but, you know, I mean, I've been, you know, since 2013 and before, I've been, you know, visiting kids in the hospital, uh, visiting, you know, people, you know, and, and um, you know, uh, to not get the respect for that is, is, is another thing. But, you know, like I said, for me, uh, because a couple of them have passed on and they're up in heaven up there. So I'm not worried about what goes on down here on earth because those kids are sitting there waiting at the gates for me saying. It's okay, Fitz. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm not really worried about here too much on earth, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, my, we're only here for a short time. Absolutely. We're here for a short time. You know, it's funny that you say that because uh, I was just having a discussion with somebody near and dear to my heart last night. It's something that I say quite often either in one-on-one conversation or on radio or, you know, just with whomever I'm interfacing with and dialoguing with. You know, and it's not to sound morose, but my mantra oftentimes is we're all going to die. Like, you know, for anything that we give attention to or we get stuck or we impede our ability to move on or rid ourselves of the false beliefs concepts that keep us stuck and don't allow ourselves to make the choice to embrace fear, relinquish fear by doing and honoring what it is we feel we're meant to do. Because there is an element of risk and nobody can predict the future. So, you know, you just got to put yourself out there. And... You know, and so, yes, we're all human, and yes, we all, you know, we grapple with trepidation, we grapple sometimes with self-doubt, uh, you know, who am I to think that I have a right to have a radio show, or, you know, who's Lisa McDonald in Dundas, Ontario, Canada, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, as soon as I get into that sphere of thinking and realize how counterproductive and counterintuitive it is, I'm just now as apt to just as quickly reverse that and get back out there. Because if if we know it to be true, and we know the older we get, the more likely we are to encounter stories either directly or indirectly of people passing on, people's parents, our own parents, siblings, whatnot. So, you know, when we know that we don't know when our time is going to be up, and if this is hypothetically our last 24 hours on this planet, do we really want to go out expending our energy on things that are stressful, perceivably stressful things we have absolutely no control over and going down that rabbit hole? Or do we want to alternatively use that precious time? Because every day is precious. It truly is a gift. We, we're not guaranteed anything. I'm not even guaranteed an hour after this program. So, you know, do we want to then know that we've chosen to exit this this sphere of what we know this planet to be or this time and energy space of doing something to honor ourselves and for, you know, giving back to society and being part of the collective and, and being a kind, generous person, taking risks, honoring our soul, doing what really makes us happy. So, you know, and I can understand the emotion behind what you were talking about, you know, some of the people who in your life are no longer here. And, yeah, you just got to keep going. You just got to keep going and not look behind you. You know, there's a reason why the windshield is bigger than the rear view mirror. Stop looking behind and start looking forward. So good on you. Good on you, Fitz, because you've clearly demonstrated that and your role modeling and your example of what it is to, you know, be at the lowest of the low, not have people who should be signing on to support you and don't always necessarily follow through and bring that to your life. Uh, good on you 
for persevering and doing what was important to you to do. I mean, how lovely is that? Good for you. Good for you. Thank you, Lisa. So let's talk about your, uh, sorry, I'm, okay, if there's something you want to add to that, go ahead. No, I just, I just wanted to say, you know, um, you know, as you, as you touched on, one of the big things that people have is, is fear. And fear is one of the biggest things that stops people from accomplishing their goals because they're afraid to step out and do something different from what everybody else is doing. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you see everybody, they want to walk down the same path because everybody's going the same way. Hold on a second. Well, you know what? You got to do something different in order to be, I mean, not, you know, fear is what stops people from, people from being successful. I was, I was afraid. I, I was initially afraid, you know, to come back because people were saying, okay, well, you're, you're going to get beat. You're, you're going to fight these young guys. But I said, you know what? Forget that. I'm going to attempt it because if I, if I don't attempt it now, I'm going to have regrets later in my life saying, why didn't I try that? Because everybody told me, you know, that I was going to get beat, that these guys are younger, that they're stronger. But you know what? I conquered my fear and attempted that goal. Lovely. And, you know, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. Cause if I hadn't, if I hadn't, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the oldest Canadian champion in history. I, w- I wouldn't be a lot of things, but I also wouldn't be here talking to you now, Lisa, about, you know, how I persevered through all that. Right? Oh, I, so, I understand. I understand. If I didn't push through my fears, there'd be nothing to talk about with me. This show wouldn't even exist. So I get it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And people, and people don't understand that. You know what I mean? You can't let fear stop you from going out and being successful, from, from achieving your goals. Absolutely. So I, I, I don't want to do a disservice and shortchange our listeners from being able to hear some of the other exciting things that have happened. And so there's a lot to kind of crunch in here because I am cognizant of time. So I, yes. I want to hear about the documentary. I want to hear about the book. And I want to hear about Dragon's Den and some of the upcoming events that you've got scheduled. Uh, <laughs> okay, what's what's one foot? And go. <laughs> okay, let's talk, okay. About the doc- uh, let's talk about the documentary. Okay, so the documentary was uh was, was done by a friend of mine, Richard Wang, who's uh who's a playwriter. So yep. uh so he, he, he documented uh he said, you know, okay, Fitz we're coming back to uh to fight for this championship at forty five years old. Uh, he says that I think this is a pretty this is a pretty cool thing. It's gonna be historic. He says, uh, do you think you can do it? And I said, I like Well yeah <laughs> like, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. So he says he says, Okay, he says, Why well, I, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to, you know, follow you with the camera and, and, and document, uh, your, your path back to this title fight. I said, sure. So we, you know, so we linked up, we got together and, uh, he followed me as I was going along my path. He did some interviews with, uh, you know, with my, my one brother, Ian, who was close to me working my corner in that fight. He did a little interview with my son. He interviewed my, my auntie mummy. You know, um, you know, he, he showed, um, you know, and then he, of course, he came with me when I fought for the, for the title fight. He came with me there. He drove down to, uh, Moncton, New Brunswick yeah. and, uh, and did the filming of that fight. And, and I think it's, you know, it's, a, it's a neat documentary because it's, it's one of a kind. It's one that hasn't, uh, I haven't really seen any, uh, any other boxing movies that have been done in that style. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to, uh, to have it, um, to have it get out there and, you know, we can look at this thing and, uh, you know, have it be, be screened. And so what's the status of this documentary? Sorry, the stat, what do you mean the status? The status. It's already been out. You've got buy-in. Oh. You've got, it, it's upcoming. So, Where are you at with the documentary? Yeah. Well, well, it, it's completed. It's completed. We're just trying to get it where it can be, uh, be screened. Uh, viewed, hopefully someone, hopefully we're trying to get it out there so maybe someone can pick it up and make a, make a live real movie out of it. 
you know, so yeah, it's in the process. We're just trying to get it out there, get people to, to you know, get out, hopefully get a screen screenwriter or screenplay, someone to get out there and, and pick this thing up and, you know, maybe make it into a movie itself. Okay, right. after this show, I'm going to give you some contact information. I had a publicist in L.A. who oversees all of this stuff, and so that might be a good lead for you. I'll pass it on to you and your agent, okay. Diane. Um, okay. So tell, tell us about your book. Okay, where so the book, you, uh, the book, sorry? Sorry, where, where can people find your book? Oh, they can, they can get on my, on my website, um, fits, uh, fits the whip, uh, dot ca. Mm-hmm. They can, uh, they can get off the website. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So, are you on, yeah, are so you on what, shelves? What? Are you on shelves and bookstores? Is your book on shelves? Uh, is your book oh. on shelves? Are you on shelves? Are on, you in? No, whole- no, it's not on the shelves. No. Okay. No. Uh, are you so, wanting? Yeah, so get, are you wanting to get your book on shelves? Um, sure, sure. We can look and get it on shelves. Okay. Yes. Are you? So, what kind of version are you dealing with right now? Just an ebook version, or or what? It, what is? How can people? What does your book look like? Oh, so it, it's a little black book. It's a little black it, book. So it's is, just, it, um, is it online though? Is it an online book? Is it an ebook? Sure. Is it a tangible? No, book? I don't. I don't it's just hard copy. Okay, so you have a hard copy tangible book. Yes, correct. Okay. All right, does it have an ISBN number? I uh, no, it doesn't. Not okay. that I know of. Okay. All right, because I was so, going to yeah. suggest, I was going to suggest, you know, if you get that process underway, we could maybe do some host signings together. Joint signings. Nice. Yeah. Okay, well, we can talk okay. about that stuff, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so tell us a little bit more about your books, upcoming events, where people can find you, what's happening for you, Dragon's Den, lots of great stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so the, the, the book is there. Um, it, it's, a, it's a great book. It talks, talks a lot about a lot of the community stuff that I do, you know, just um, how, you know, some of it's a little bit of overcoming odds and how I went about doing some of the stuff I did uh through my through my boxing career. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the next topic? <laughs> Dragon's Den. Okay, so we got we got the video. Okay, Dragon's so the Dragon's Den. Um, yeah, so we just uh, I I did uh, the little pitch um, uh, for the Dragon's Den. We're doing um, uh, sensors for contact sports. Um, uh, example: um, hockey, um, mm-hmm. football, rugby, um, boxing. So what it is, 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 is sensors that is, is in the equipment that can detect how hard or how fast, how many times someone is, someone is being hit, and it can be detected in real time, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to wait, you know, half an hour to see or whatever an hour. It'll, it, you can detect it within uh, 10, or, 10 or 15 seconds how hard the impact is or how hard that person got hit and whether uh, it's possible that they may have sustained a concussion. Um, Fantastic. It's a lot about that. It's a lot about concussion awareness and concussion safety. Um, I've been I'm with um, with Catherine Fife MP uh, MPP as far as trying to pass that the law for concussion safety uh, with Rowan's law um, um, in Queens Park. So you know we're working on that. I have uh, Peter Baxter from the Wilfrid University who's also on board with me, uh, helping helping to pass that that is law. Super but, good uh, for yeah, you. We're working so, on with that, right? You want it. And so, when do you expect but, to hear back from the Dragons Den? 
Um, I think that they were supposed to get back this week. I'm not so sure. Yeah, I think they're supposed to get back this, uh, by today, I believe. Oh, wonderful. Uh, so, uh, so, so it's yeah, your understanding so, that they were interested in this? Well, they, they said they would, they would get back because they want to start, do, I think they want to start doing some filming, uh, probably, uh, right away, like Saturday, right? So I guess, you know, I'll wait till today is all right to see what's going on. Okay. Not, you, know, you got further along than I did. I did a Dragon's Den audition. I got nothing. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, that's amazing. I did that up in Kitchener. Is that where you did it? Yeah, yes. No, 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 no. So I did the CBC in Toronto. Oh, okay. You actually went to Toronto. I was in Waterloo. Oh, oh no way. You did that weekend? I, well, this, I did this, I think it was last year. It was after, it was a Friday oh. after I did my radio show. And what should have taken okay. me from where I live, like an hour to get there, it took me yeah. two and a half hours because I have just geographically challenged. So fortunately for me, I always know to leave oh, myself nice. lots and lots of time for that. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Yes. And so yes. we're, we're probably looking at about six, five minutes before we have to wrap up here. So I'm, I'm curious, have, is is it your, uh, do you have any intentions? Do you have any um, want to meet with Sylvester Stallone? Sly, yeah. That would be cool Sly. to meet with Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> you, you, know, you know why? Because when I did my summer camp um, last summer, uh, whether I did with the kids in the summer camp, uh, we watched, uh, it was a five-day camp I did with the kids, right? So we watched uh, one of the Rockies every day. And as we're watching, going through the Rockies, watching them, I end up looking at like I said to the kids, I, I realized, you know, I said, I said, hey, you guys, you know what? Sylvester Sloan, he acted in the movie, but I, in real life, did these things. Mm-hmm. So it's like in, in the in the Rocky, I believe it's Rocky Five or no Rocky Six. No, it was Rocky Six when he came, when he came back and he he was old and he wanted to get his license. He had to sit in front of the board and he said to the he said. What gives you the right to tell me that I can't get my license? What gives you the right to tell me I can't fight? I've done everything you said to do. You know, I deserve a chance to, to, to fight. You know, and and I actually had to go through that when I came out for my license in 2013. Mm-hmm. I had to go in front of a board of directors uh, to prove that I could fight still. Uh, I did all these tests, uh, and they kept the commissioner kept telling me, you know, that, no, that's not right. You got to do this more. You got to do this. You know, and so... I had to go, you know, it was like, he, he was saying I was too old, you know, and I could, so I did all the tests he did, and then mm-hmm. finally I got my license and I was able to fight. Yeehaw! So, That's awesome. So yeah. Have, like, have you, <laughs> so have you reached out to Sylvester? No, no. Why not? I would, uh, I don't what? know, I, I probably should. I feel compelled to do I, it on your behalf. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we'll talk about that too after radio, um, and not yeah. necessarily today, but we'll we'll be in touch. Obviously, I'm going to be forwarding the podcast after the the show's done. Okay, so we're very clearly close to having to wrap up here. So, parting words for listeners, parting words for youth, parting words for community, for the the Federation of Boxing. What what would you like pe- people to know about you before you say cheerio here? Well, I want to know, you know that like I said, you know um, the whip. Is uh, with hope it's possible. You, if you have a goal, you have a dream, something you want to accomplish, you can do it if you want to work hard, right? Uh, dedicate yourself, make the sacrifices necessary. I want to let the young people know, you know, not to be afraid, you know, to work hard if they want to be different. 
You know, don't let fear, don't let fear stop you from, from achieving your goals. Don't let family or friends tell you what you can't do. Mm-hmm. Go out there. If you believe in yourself, go out there and chase your dreams. Fantastic. Fantastic. So if we get in the ring, you know you're done, right? <laughs> like, like dinner. <laughs> you know, I can see you, right, Fitz? <laughs> You throw me in that hook, Lisa? Hey, I'm just going by your words of inspiration here. If you're saying anything's possible and I'm setting it out there into the universe that I can get into that ring and I can win and I can beat you, it's possible. Is it not, Fitz? Ah, uh, uh, but Lisa, I said with hope it's possible. I didn't say anything is possible. I said, oh. so if you have if you have a goal, something you want to accomplish, then with hope that is possible, not anything. Okay. Fitz is getting a little territorial here with his name claim. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm not letting any girl from Dundas, Ontario take away my championship title. I hear you. Okay. All right. So anyway, Fitz, we've got to wrap up here. But listen, I want to say how grateful I am to have you here. Uh, I think what you're doing for the community, for sport, uh, for what you're obviously doing for all these kids in these camps, your own son, as you mentioned, I think it's phenomenal. So I would obviously continue to support you any which way I can, you know, cross-promote you, uh, perhaps invite you back to radio some other time. If you want to do a joint book signing, you want to get that ISBN number, whatever. I'm here to help. And I really think we need to get a hold of Sylvester Stallone. So if you're not apt to do that, you just gave me a new challenge. I'm going to run with that. So anyway, I just want to... I want to, I want to say thank you to Fitz. Uh, I want to thank his agent, uh, Diane, who was very kind to set this up for us. And, uh, I just want to thank once again my listening audience. Uh, this is Carpe Diem. I go live every Friday, 11 to 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Uh, base reach is huge. So for everybody who all over the world, uh, gets back to me, offers feedback, listens to my podcast, I thank you very much. I uh, look forward to seeing you all next Friday. If you have any show topic ideas, if you wish to appear as a potential guest on my show, kindly reach out to me either at my website, lisamcdonaldauthor.com, McDonald is M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D, as well I can be reached at lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com. want to thank everybody once again for taking the time out of your day to join myself, and in this particular case, my guest Fitz. Support Fitz. He's awesome. So thank you very much. Wishing everybody a wonderful, safe weekend. We'll see you again next Friday. Take care and all my best. Awesome. Thank you. to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.